Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Richard Kennedy. I'm here with Nick Goslin and Ryan Garvey. We're New England Social, your New England-based podcast about everything New England, from places to go, people to see, things to do, and experiences we're having. See, it's when I get right before experiences we're having, I'm like home free, baby. I'm rounding through. But you're like, you got one more thing. Like, make sure you touch home. I do, I do, but that's my safe point, right? I Honestly, the, the stress point is like... I feel like it's number two. You hit. Yeah, because like I feel like I, you know, it's when I get past the names, I feel good about the names. It's kind of like if you've ever skied or snowboard, you know what I mean? You usually start up by the lift and like it's usually pretty, it's not too bad at the start because like, you know, you might have a couple of different types of, you know, trails. But when you hit your trail, the middle of your trail, especially if it's a difficult trail, that's where you're getting the thick. And then you're like, get to the end where everybody's converging again and you're like, oh, you're deep in the cut. Yeah, I've never really felt that skiing. I've never been that skilled at skiing. Never I was just to about point. to say, I didn't know you to be a skier. Are you a skier? Oh, no. I I stopped doing it in like seventh grade. Yeah, okay. That, I took that a pretty bad out. fall on a jump in like seventh grade. Oh, I could see you being wild about jumps back in the so, day. And then I just kind of just got scared. Yeah, that makes sense. I was like, I don't want to do that again because I hit my head pretty hard. Yeah, we've all been I, there. Yeah. We've all been yeah. there. I, uh, I actually have never really skied or snowboarded. Which is odd because you're like a once. deep Massachusetts guy. Yeah, dude, hockey for life. That's like what you yeah, that is true. you say whenever we bring up doing another activity that you haven't done. You always throw hockey for life out there. I don't no, know why. But so when you're when you're a kid, especially younger, like I feel like you had the groups of people that were either like like they were very invested in their sport, or they went up on the weekends and did like the skiing. Because like Massachusetts necessarily doesn't have great mountains, but we're very close proximity wise to so, like new hampshire maine vermont sure. so like it would be like the weekend you know what i mean like i had a lot of friends right. that it's were like oh we, we rented like a you know what right. i mean their families rented a cabin yeah. and then they like go up and they ski yeah. for the weekend but like okay. whereas if by I got, me there's a little ski mountain like i just right feel like i feel like in my hometown yeah. it wasn't like oh the hockey players don't ski like yeah like it was like hockey players don't play football like that was the big divide. Yeah, I mean, if like, you were, oh, like, I don't play. I'll play football because I yeah, play. Yeah, but if you got like sport. you know town team and travel team going, and I'm like, oh, I got to practice for the town, sure, and then sure, a game sure, on sure. Saturday afternoon. Like, what am I supposed to did do? Did you play for what was the school you went to? St. John's Prep. Like did people go there for sports? Yeah. Okay, so that's just like a different ball game because like people went there to play hockey. Our so they would play our athletics games. were yeah. pretty pretty good. Yeah. Um, different ball game. Yeah, you you went to school with that guy. Was the guy on the Bucks? Yeah, he was a couple of years younger than me, but Pat Connaughton, SJP alum. <laughs> yeah, like he was like a big player in the playoffs this year. It was like awesome. And yeah. Bo Burnham and Bo Burnham. And I Bo fucking Burnham. hate Bo Burnham. Honestly, Bo, Bo Burnham, if you're we're, listening, we're get the fuck off our podcast. Dude, you know Bo Burnham listens to this wow. podcast. I do not, dude. He's a douche. He is. He is an. Would like you? A would you question? Well, okay, you don't really know. Quick, you though. haven't. Have you talked? He might have changed. He might have changed. No. <laughs> you think he fame made? You think <laughs> fame, fame made him made less him more grounded? <laughs> hey, you know what? What? Okay. Quick question. What, quick question. Quick question. Awesome. Quick question. Quick question. If Bo Burnham somehow, like he was just like blazing up with his boys, and he just like is searching for a podcast, he comes across this episode because he's a he's a big fan of our topic. Right. If you don't know, our topic's Bill Russell. I think we talked about it last episode. And so he comes across this and he hears Nikki G light him up. And he hits us up to come on to the podcast. So like you are you you sitting down with Bo Burnham and like you're ready to hash this out on the pod? Oh, well, no. Well, you refuse so to talk. Well, to no, 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 no. That's not what I said. Am I ready to hash this out? Like I like would I have him for an interview? Absolutely. That's great content. Like we're getting a big name celeb, huge, but like, would I would I then fold and be like, "Oh, Bo Burnham, I love your stuff." No, I'd be like, "Dude, no. I'm no, expecting no, you I to would... call him a dick." Like I'm oh, like, like, I can't. A thousand I, you know me. Yeah. I would call you out if you didn't say. I'd be, I'd I'd be like Nick. It would be like okay. if Tom well, Brady came on. I feel like that would show podcast. his douchiness. If he like, can't. He he can't take the you heat. Call them a dick, and he just left. I mean, dude, I f- if the douche. shoe was on, if the shoe was on the other foot, like if I was Bo Burnham, I'd be like, ah, I think I'm doing all right, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he chose to come on. Right. Uh, in this, so you know, do you have personal beef? Did you have personal beef with him? In high he was just like, like he was yeah, there. He was. Did he like cheat off your something pass happened. or something like that? No, he's just like. Well, we actually we did play little league baseball together growing up. Um, so you were boys back in the day, is what you're. Talking no, about. no, 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 not by any means. Um, 
he was just always like kind of a dick then and he was like like kind of a dick in high school and i mean i will admit like his youtube's videos that he had from like very early on like kind of funny and he's like definitely a talented musician but like he's oh, just like not he, not someone i'm trying to like at high school, oh no big high time school. like it's yeah. yeah everybody knows him he has a oh, yeah. he's pretty fit he yeah he's, specials. he's a pretty big name guy um uh, wow but yeah i just would not like maybe we should do I, a bo burnham episode. if he <laughs> we could i mean he's from massachusetts and just watch I just, we'll just watch all of his like content. If, we'll do if all of a sudden he one. hit me up and he was like, "Let's squash the beef." Like I want to be boys. Like I would just oh, be does like, "Does he know that you have beef with him?" No. Like, is this a no? No, he's just a okay, dick. If, if you ask but if everyone, he, okay. But ask, if he, what were you going to say though? If he hit you up, Eric he was Clifford. like, "I want to squash." No, I'd be like, "Dude, you're just someone. Just because you're like rich and famous, you're just not someone I would want to like affiliate myself with." Like, I'm you're not even willing to give him a shot after all these years. No, why? Oh wow! I don't. Yeah, I got a, I got a nice circle. I like my circle. You do have you a do. good circle. Yeah. You are a no new friends guy historically. That's, that's me. No new um, friends, dude. How are you guys feeling after the bachelor party? Todd, Todd Didone, congratulations! <sighs> shout out! You've been shouted. Yeah, out. we're giving you a shout out. Great batch party, Great Gilmanton, batch party. New Hampshire, on Shell Camp Pond. Yeah, it's Gilmanton. Yeah. Um, no, I, I've been saying Gilmington pretty much. No, no, way different. It, you don't different. want to go to Gilmington. You don't. Gilmington. Okay, place. Great spot. Gilmington. Yeah. You better steer clear. Don't want to go there. Don't want to go there. Um, Gilmington, though, nice space. Uh, easy drive to get to. Um, yeah. I love going for, to camps up you. that way. I love going to camps. Yeah, true, Garby. Yeah. Garby, Bangor is far from everything, <laughs> yeah, though. I mean, okay, like nothing is talked about. That's not on the us. Back roads. You know? um, so their back roads were like it was on a back road. It was definitely. We were behind road. a fire truck that was going literally three miles per hour. Yikes! For like ten minutes, King and I. Wait, with the sirens on? No, just oh. like a fire truck that was just rolling three miles per I bet, hour. I bet, King, like, I bet King was just spicy during that moment. No, he got out and peed and just like cracked open the seltzer. <laughs> and then we came Bye. back and it made a difference. Why didn't you go around? Because it was one of those hilly roads. Right. You know, that yeah, road that would have been in, tough. And it was like almost not even a two lane. Yeah, that would have been, gotcha. been tough. That would have been tough. Yeah. Um, MVP of the bachelor party had to, had to be Bradley. So shout out Bradley. Absolutely. I don't remember Bradley's last name. But, yeah, uh, just a Bradley. All they do, all they do is give, give, give. All they do is tick, tick, tick. <laughs> uh, yeah, honestly, not gonna lie, kind of brick to Bradley though. Yeah, possible brick to Bradley. It's a very good chance. No, that... not possible. Like one thousand percent. Yeah. Oh, we're going. Oh, uh, we won't get into details. I mean, we won't go. We won't get into details. Can we not explain? Can we not explain? I, I okay. just, I don't want to convict a man without. Dude, there was without a tr- fair trial. No, without a trial. Yeah, without a trial. Right. That's the, you know, all right. we just haven't I had a trial. That's all. I feel like Rich and I are the voice of reason for Nick tonight. Nick's that's like that's what I was trying to say before. Nick's the wild card. You don't know when he's, he's going to pop card. off. Maybe he's maybe he's this chill guy that lives in Charlestown. Next thing you know, he's out here talking shit about Bo Burnham, dude. Honestly, <laughs> Bo Burnham, Bradley. <laughs> wow. You were very cool about that situation. Again, we're not going to no, get into but, it because yeah. I feel like bachelor parties are kind of what happens at the bachelor party stage. Of the yeah. Party, but. yeah, it had nothing to do with Nick's butthole. So no, we'll it did not. It, it actually did didn't. Involve. I know if Garby said that, you're sitting there immediately thinking it had something to do. You're like, so it definitely butthole. did. But it did no, it my but, my butthole was untainted from that weekend anyway. The house was amazing. The water looked great. It was yucky. It was yucky. It was, it was yucky. A, it was a tad murky. I don't know why I can't just catch a break. Like I like you know, I booked the I booked the Airbnb for your bachelor party and I'm like, this place looks fucking awesome. What happens? There's a fucking dam up the river. And so the river is a the river. is a stream. Dude. It's a stream. All right. It literally pulled back. We're like the shoreline's like fifty feet it, from I'm the tell- water. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, the river was so drained that we didn't realize it was drained at first. We were on what we thought was the beach. It was really the bottom of where the river was supposed to be. Is, is where we were. Wait, what? Yeah, he's like... You don't remember that? Originally, I was like, oh, I guess this this river is just smaller than I thought or just not as deep as I thought. And somebody pointed out to me, he's like, oh, well, it's like... 
it's like drained and i'm like oh my gosh like the river is supposed to like start like 10 feet behind me right now right it's like as if like low tide was in at the beach and whatnot wait where this is at at where we were saying bachelor party oh and nick's Nick's okay oh i was okay all right. And so same thing. And then so I'm like, I booked Todd's and I'm like, fucking sick, dude. I'm like, got it. Good to go. Like water looks great. Take a look at the pictures. Realize a couple months beforehand. I'm like, it's a pond. I'm like, what does that mean? I'm like, it's a pond. It's obviously not a lake or they call it a lake. Right. And so hmm. I'm like, a, it's a pond. So I get there. I'm like, by, po- by pond standards, it was, pr- it was by a pond great pond. I think it, was great. it had a dock. It said there was a dock. And there was a dock. Yeah. People and, had plenty got, of people had boats. Credit, I got there and I was like, thank God, it looks great. People got in. I think I think Ralph was the first one to get in. And they were like, Yeah, it's you know, it's like I'm like, how's the temperature? They're like, Oh, it's bath water. Which is like a weird mm. way. Like that's not po- it doesn't sound positive. I don't think it was that it warm. It sounds positive. It wasn't that warm. And then it was a little refreshing. And they're like, it's definitely murky down here. Um, and I went in once and immediately was like, Nope, this isn't for rich. Took a dunk and out. Yeah, I would I would say I followed up each dip with a subsequent shower Uh, like that day. So, yeah, I got a a little something nipped at my toe when I was floating, hopped on a float. See, that's what I didn't want to go too deep because truthfully, um, big snapping turtle territory. That place just like screamed snapping turtle more towards the center of that. So, yeah, for sure. Not trying to lose the old pinky toe. Um, nope. The but cold- great time, dude. Great, great time. Times, great times. Golf the day before too. On the first day was fun. John King literally played the worst out of all of us. Yeah, it was harsh. This has been a big rip on John King. We know Amber listens to the uh, Amber listens to the podcast. Oh, Johnny, love you, mean it, dude. Oh, but always, we're te- yeah. we're telling it like it is. He's our boy. He's our boy. He was. Yanni. <laughs> I felt for him so hard because he was he was talking about his round and he was like, you know, you just have to laugh, but he like wasn't laughing. And I'm like, that's exactly how I had felt like the few rounds before that. Yeah. Um, because I just like, I don't know. I was hitting in the nineties. Then I just hit some, I hit some shit and I just like couldn't break three digits again. And then I've brought it back since, but like right before that. And so he was just talking about, I was like, man, I get that dude. It was, it's up and down. That's the thing with golf is sometimes you're just like, I'm a better player. Well, it is funny how, like, you can literally play golden on, like, a Sunday and then, like, go out on Saturday the next week and just play, like, Absolute terrible. garbage. Absolute garbage. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways. Uh, lobsters was great. Lobsters yep. were, were great. Lobsters were great. Uh, pulled pork crushed it. Um, yep. So that was great. Um, yeah, man. Awesome. Um, Nick, that's what everybody's been waiting for. It's what they tuned in for. What's the car update, bud? How you doing? Where you at? So yeah, not gonna lie. Last time you guys, um, oh shit, sorry, a little bit of a commotion going on in the Goslin household. Um, Lock down that studio, dude. Pretzel, menace. Um, but yeah, so last episode, if you guys remember, was in a pretty somber mood. Um, truck I just found out got totaled. Obviously, devastating news not even a year old yeah but for sure have since found out um got the final evaluation and i'm getting like a decent amount more than what i currently owe on the truck nice um yeah so a lot better spot got a uh new same same truck just a new year newer um fantastic cool so it's, it's a win 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 i feel like yeah, you know, I just liked my truck, and this has obviously just been like a pain in the ass. And I'm yeah, gonna like huge be like, I have to return the rental car at the end of this week because right. I will have like signed the papers, and then like I'm kind of without a car for a little while. That so sounds... like, if you asked me, what would I have rather had? I wish I just would have had the truck. Yeah, I get you. But, no, that makes sense. But yeah, better spot. So you know, not not as devastating as the news. Um. Very cool. Last warm-up topic here. Um, White Mountains Garb, you make a visit? Yes, we went up to the White Mountains to Jackson, New Hampshire, me, my wife, and Eliza, and we went to Storyland. Good place Dude. to bring your kid. Storyland? Haven't kid. been to Storyland in, like, Since obviously, like, 20, 25 years. Yeah, there, <laughs> I think there's a reason, there, Nick. I've been there two weeks, man. And there's a reason, Nick. Go. Go. I got to uh, renew my annual membership. I'm always trying to make it to Storyland. 
Dude, every time I see Cinderella, it just brings me back. Like, this won't be my last time, Cinderella. What? Why? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> oh, man. You um, always just go go that spot. Oh, man. It's just like your, your Instagram algorithm. Dude. Yeah, God. so Jackson, New Hampshire is like, I've been in the mountains for so long. And you just kind of forget that they're there. And it's just like fucking crazy. <laughs> It is like you. If when you're in the mountains, like the view, is like phenomenal. You look around. There's nothing but mountains. No, right? I know. It's just you know funny. I mean? like, dude, huh. you forget the mountains are there. And like when you're there, I haven't been there in years. Fucking lit. Well, actually, I was there three years ago at Sean Morgan's wedding. Oh, that's where Sean Morgan's wedding was. We golfed at yeah. that hotel. When I rolled up to the hotel, I'm like, oh shit, we golfed here for Sean Morgan's wedding. So oh, we stayed at that yeah. hotel. Which Did you get a quick in nine eight. in? That was a good nine. nine no, I didn't get it. I didn't get a bad. nine. I didn't really have the time. Just stay two nights. But that hotel was built in like the eighteen seventies, and it like burnt down in eighteen nineteen or something like that. So it's been around a while. Wow. And it's what I found out when Megan told me, which I was very upset about before we went to bed on the first night, is that it was in ghost shows, like ghost hunter shows. And I'm like, oh, thank you for telling me that, Megan, before I go to bed. That did she do that? Did she do that knowingly? Because I, no, she's like she very just, much like, into saw, that. She looked she it up because she's into that shit. She just looked That's, it up because she's like, "Oh, this is an old hotel. Let's see what there is." And there was like signs of a lady with a long red dress that would like people would see, and like a kid with her, and like there were multiple reports of it. Sketchy. So that's, that's what she you know decided to tell me the first. Did she book the hotel or did you? I did. Okay. Okay. I did. Okay. Yeah. All right. So no nefarious activities. Um, yeah. Nope. Did she? Good. Did she see any? Like, was she like, oh, I felt a no. cold thing pass through me in the middle? No, of the she night. didn't. She didn't bring it to that level. Okay. She didn't bring it to the level. But I feel gotcha. like the like it's cool being an old hotel, but the service was like a little too much in some ways because I kept getting texts about how my stay was going from like an Albert or a George, and I'm like. What? It's just like that's not really my thing. I feel like when you see a millennial, you know what I mean, or or younger, don't do that. It's a little and that was my feedback to you, them. Uh, you, that was my feedback to them. In, you B and B owners, you small hotel owners, don't text Garb if he says. Yeah, you, you don't. Know. You don't need a text. He'll let you. He'll let you know three times. Up. He'll let you know two days to ask how it's going. If yeah, it's not going well, I'll let you know. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean. Good stay overall, though. It was a good stay. It was a good nice. Love, Love the White Mountains. Love if you've never it. been in the White Mountains, don't forget they're there. He was phenomenal. Don't do not don't forget, forget they're, they're there. there. <laughs> well, they wouldn't forget if they never been, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I think that you make a really good you point. Go. There. It's hard to it's hard to yeah hard to forget. Is it better to have loved than lost than never have loved at all? Wow, love than this lost. is wow. this love is one of those kind of podcasts, <laughs> this is we? one of those is... existential questions yeah, that you know. Jeez, love than lost. Uh, <laughs> like easy, easy, easy. It's not even the question. Um, guys, we're talking about Bill Russell. We're talking about Bill Russell today. Legend, um, absolute legend. Um, William Felton Russell, um, his 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 Christian name, his legal name. Um, yeah, honestly, I just just like oh, just opening comments before we get into our sections. We split up the research and whatnot, but. Uh, I was just blown away. Honestly, like, you know, Bill Russell's obviously a, a, a powerhouse on the court. Um, and I think he's also pretty well known for his activism. But digging into it deeper, um, he truly is like just one of the great Americans, to be honest. Um, and so it was really fun kind of researching. Did yeah. you guys have a good time kind of digging in? Yeah. So I looked at the coaching end, which you'll hear about later. But I was. I feel like what I learned the most besides like about his coaching career is the NBA. Yeah. Just how it's changed so much as a business, Mm -hmm. how it's boomed. Yeah. It is fucking boomed. Like it compared like sixties, it was big, but now it's just like just reading some of the things I read like, there's no way this would, and I'll talk about it. And it's had like a massive influence. Like the NBA has had a massive influence on outside of the NBA. For sure. Because of the (laughs) players, because of the players, but it really, known as known for less positive reasons back then but even back then it's hard to argue with some of the stuff that i'll talk about off the court that it wasn't a platform right that that helped push specifically the civil rights movement um and that's like 
really interesting to think about it because I, I think it's very much known as a platform in that same regard now, but it's much more positive. Um, and it, it's kind Wait, of. Did you say it was a platform or was it? It was a platform. Okay, yeah. yeah. It, was a, it was a okay. platform, but, uh, but I think it was, it was a platform because shitty things that were happening back then were brought to light because they were happening to people who played in the NBA. Right. Whereas like now people in the NBA, I think the NBA is an extremely progressive league and it's kind of like a lead by example kind of league comparatively. I think in the way that it treats its players and the platform it provides its players. Um, and so, I mean, maybe not everybody feels that way, but I think it's, it's a much more positive light now. But it's interesting how it's always kind of been, or at least since Bill Russell in the zeitgeist as far as like talking about about key issues nick what about you i mean you guys just kind of hit on it like he was just like a man with like such an interesting life like outside of his dominance in the sport of basketball and so i just thought it was i mean obviously we were researching our specific sections but you kind of read up on him as a human being on the whole and yeah yeah just kind of second everything you guys said Awesome. I'm just going to rip some accolades really, really quick. Um, Just, you know, some stuff that we'll definitely cover. But, I mean, five-time NBA MVP, uh, most valuable player, 11 NBA championships during his 13-year career. Savage. 12-time NBA All-Star, NBA All-Star game MVP, three-time NBA first team, Eight-time NBA second team, two-time NCAA championship champion, um, and oh yeah, I forgot. Barack Obama awarded him the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Just a casual, casual honor there. Um, yeah. So just like a boss altogether, and some really and three stuff. wives. The second one was the hottest. Was it three or was it four? Was it three, <laughs> it was three. or was it four? Hold it was on. three, and unfortunately. Um, the third one passed away in 2009. No, but I think he was married to somebody when he died. I think he was married to... Oh, really? Uh, oh, I didn't think he remarried after that. Janine, I think it is. Um, I'll, I'll look at when I go through my section, but just yeah, get yeah, a fact yeah. check. Um, okay, well, let's just go in order here. I, I did off the court. Um, I think we wanted to cover this specifically because I think that's the real... I'll just I'll read off some bullet points and whatnot, but just as like a a short monologue, I think like the real story of Bill Russell for me is this guy who truly had the American experience of a black man in the you know nineteen thirties to to nineteen eighties really right where he grew up in the South with an extreme amount of racism around him. There's this, uh, I read one story where his dad went to a gas station and the owner said that he had to wait for all the white customers to be served. And when he tried to leave, the guy held a gun to his head and said he has to wait his turn. Um, His mom was like walking around once. Um, This is on Wikipedia. So again, it's really easy accessible. His mom was walking around once in like a really nice dress and a cop stopped her, made her go home and change because he thought that that was a white woman's clothing um, kind of outfit. And so, like, a massive, massive amount of racism. He and his family also were a part of the second Great Migration, which was when 5 million African Americans uh, moved out of the South into the Northeast, Midwest, and then West. Um, That's when his family moved from Louisiana, uh, West Monroe, Louisiana, to Oakland, California, I believe. And so he was really a part of that. And then he was this massive partner to, um, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. and Muhammad Ali, probably two of the most well-known civil rights activists um, in American history. He marched with Martin Luther King um, the day he gave the I Had a Dream speech. He was in the front row. Um, He was a part of the Cleveland Summit, uh, which was essentially organized by Jim Brown after Muhammad Ali uh, chose not to serve in the Vietnam War. And so Jim Brown got a bunch of athletes together to essentially support Muhammad Ali, and, and Bill Russell was was one of those guys. Um, and so he did all of this um, while just dominating on the court, which Nick will talk about, and really used that spotlight that he was able to kind of continuously shine on himself through basketball to do you know, 
good things not only for I mean not only for him and his family but really like all black Americans period like a lot I think I I honestly think that black athletes should look at Bill Russell and really ask like would you know would black athletes have the same opportunity today or would America even be the same today if not for Bill Russell there's like one specific um one specific kind of boycott that I'll talk about here in a minute that like kind of started the idea that like athletes could boycott NBA games um, to essentially express you know disdain or, or or to not agree with something that's happening in the public eye. Um, so yeah, just a few things here. Um, he marched with MLK. I said participated in the Cleveland summit. Um, he went to Jackson, Mississippi, um, to hold the first uh, the state's first integrated. Um, basketball camp it was after the death of another black activist that i will i will look up i did not write the name down for some reason here but essentially this man was was killed and then bill russell connected with his brother pretty much immediately after and went down to uh, mississippi Um, this guy was killed in mississippi by the ku klux klan right and then essentially bill russell immediately after went down to mississippi um, to hold a integrated basketball camp um, and that was kind of the other thing too, is he, he wasn't like, you know, like you, you hear a lot about Martin Luther King versus um, Malcolm X, right? Whereas Malcolm X, and this is definitely me very much oversimplifying Malcolm X's stance on things. So please do not take this as the word, but Martin Luther King was all about peace and working together, right? And, and being integrated. They're not being a difference between a white man and a black man, right? Malcolm X was a lot more about we need to have our rights, but black community, like a little bit more like the Black Panthers, right? Was about black community and having that community. Um, I'm I'm not saying he was like supportive of segregation or anything like that, but like that that was more his his stance. That was some of the big differences between them, and he 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 believed that 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 black Americans should be able to be violent if they do not if they feel like their rights are being you know, taken away from them, just like any American. Um, and so there's some pretty staunch differences. And for me, Bill Russell really falls on that Martin Luther King side. I'm not saying one's better or worse. I'm just saying Bill Russell really falls on the side of like, he has, he's not just somebody who's promoting and supporting black individuals, but he's promoting and supporting, you know, everybody getting along, everybody working and living and, and interacting together while supporting black individuals who, admittingly had a really had it really hard during those times not that not that we don't now but you know what i mean definitely definitely a different world back then and and it's for sure amazing to see how far we've come we have so much further to go but it is amazing to see how far we come we've come so yeah there's that um received the presidential medal of freedom uh from obama in 2011 um Nick, I don't know if you picked up on this, but he skipped. I I read that he skipped his own Hall of Fame induction because he felt. Um, yeah. So I, I got a whole thing on. That. Okay, cool. I'll let Thanks you talk me. about that. But he essentially skipped his own Hall of Fame induction. Um, I'll let Garby kind of talk about it, but it was essentially in protest of another player who wasn't in the Hall of Fame yet. Um, publicly, uh, he publicly voiced um, his opinion in support of Boston schools integrating and and spoke out against segregation in boston like yeah in the 60s historically a, a racist yeah not city. like again like i think i i'm one that, that thinks boston gets a little bit of worse name than it should but like definitely even today not known as uh america's most diverse or accepting city unfortunately back then very bad uh very bad not the south different but particularly when you're talking about about black people and white people integrating working together having the same yeah. rights that's where boston really like drew a staunch line like it was very much like no like the these two are not the same and they are not to be together right which is like obviously bullshit um and something i personally have a really big problem with being a a mulatto individual myself but that was really it and so to, to come out and speak against that and then go and play in boston for the rest of your career um that was pretty tough and i there was like a lot of after after that he got a ton of a ton of violent acts racial acts against him one of which that really like 
honestly like kind of turned him off of the city until like the late 90s and early 2000s where he eventually came back to get honored a couple of times and and then and then started to go to more Celtics games go to Red Sox games and be a part of the 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 city and its history um and so I'm I'm glad that he was kind of reunited with Boston but it was it was it was a it was a situation um for a while um this was a cool one he he actually uh owned for a while Slade's um, bar and grill, uh, which is like a barbecue joint in, uh, Roxbury. Um, so we should definitely go yeah, check cool. it out. Um, it's actually owned by, this isn't too far from Unic. It's in the South end though, but Daryl's corner, uh, bar and kitchen. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's really good, but it's owned by the same guy who owns that. Um, at least is what I read. Yeah. And so that was really cool, but he bought that in Boston for black people to have a place to go. Right. Um, and, and whatnot, which kind of brings me to, um, um, which brings me to October, 1961. And so in October, 1961, five African-American basketball players, um, of the Boston Celtics, and then two from the St. Louis Hawks boycotted a, uh, NBA exhibition game between the two teams in, uh, Lexington, Kentucky, after a couple of the Boston players and I think actually one of the St. Louis Hawks um, were refused service at a local, I think it was a local hotel bar there. Um, they just like, or a coffee shop, they just straight up would not serve them at all. Um, and the two of them went and told Bill Russell and Bill Russell essentially was like, fucking, we're not playing the game. Like, we're not playing the game. And this is unprecedented at this time. Like To my knowledge, this has never happened before, at least not by black players because of injustice. And so mm-hmm. um, he was quoted saying, we've got to show disapproval of this treatment or else uh, the status quo will prevail. Uh, we have the same rights and privileges as anyone else and deserve to be treated accordingly. I hope we never have to go through this abuse again. But if it happens, uh, we won't hesitate to take the same course of action. And, like, that was the other thing about the guy, dude. Like, like not only did he do all these things and he acted in all these ways, he, like, really was not afraid to speak the fuck up, like, and say something. Um, and, like, speak his mind and speak out against things. Um, not, like, anybody who didn't do that during that time, like, there was anything wrong with that. It was really dangerous to do that. Right, Bill Russell could have very easily been killed for things he said. Yeah, he's he a big target. The way he spoke, though, was like I only watched a couple videos of him, so I don't know if this was him all the time. But he spoke very like calmly. Yes, almost. He wasn't like yes. yelling and very rational. Yeah, it was not like an overly overly emotional outburst. Yeah, not right. real. But this is what I just read. Like that was Bill Russell. Like he was very much like, "Hey, this is why we're doing this, and it's not right." And you know, we don't want to have to do this again. We don't like this any more than you, but please don't push us, essentially. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that was just wild. I probably should have started with this, but just some early life stuff again. William Felton Russell was his uh, full name. Born February 12th, 1934, West Monroe, uh, Louisiana. Passed away at 88 on July 31st, uh, 2022. So very recently, obviously. Um, moved to uh, Oakland, California as a part of the second Great Migration, which I had talked about. Uh, parents, Charles Russell and Katie Russell. His mom passed away when he was really young at 12. Uh, he was really close with his mother. His dad, I think a little bit more reserved, but um, did build a really good relationship with Russell and eventually became kind of his childhood hero. Um, I said his parents kind of really experienced a massive amount of racism. Um, again, Nick, you might get into this a little bit, but he went to University of San Francisco where he met um, his his first wife and mother of his three children. Um, uh, Garvey, it sounds like you'll talk a little bit about his career as a commentator, so I won't. No, talk about not that. really. But, I, okay, I so he's, he was a commentator for NB uh, for the NBA on ABC. It was also a color commentator for CBS and TBS. Took up golf at a boy. Would have been dope to play a game with Bill Ru- or a round with Bill Russell. Um, played Judge Roger Ferguson in uh, Miami in a Miami Vice episode of The Fix. <laughs> I read that I was like, that's so random. Uh, he wrote a book or multiple books, I think, with uh, with uh, alongside professional writers. Uh, one of them was called The Second Wind. Um, again, married to his high school sweetheart. I had him remarried to Dorothy 
Marilyn, and Janine, I believe. But maybe I misread that last one. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was Bill Russell, like, off the court. I'm sure I missed a ton of stuff, but just, you know, for the sake of time and whatnot. If I leave you with one thing is, again, Bill Russell is one of the great Americans of all time. He is had a massive effect on American civil rights, particularly for black individuals. And he changed the game of basketball, not only from a basketball perspective, but for players, how players are treated and the power that they have, how they utilize the NBA as a platform to push their message. Bill Russell was one of the first people to really do that on a wide scale and see tangible results. And so hats off to you, Bill. Nick, big on the court guy. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so I mean, we kind of already touched on his like accolades, um, at least professionally, but I'll give you just some quick college stuff. Um, he was a two-time NCAA champion, NCAA tourney, most outstanding player in 1955. He actually, in 1956, I guess they used to have two separate Player of the Year awards, for like one for Division One basketball, and then they did one across the USA, and he won both of them, which just thought was pretty cool. Um, and yeah, two-time All-American. His number six, he was number six in both college and the professionals. Um, college retired his number. The Celtics obviously retired his number. And then most recently, the NBA retired number six, which like... That's wild. If you need, if you need to know like more about like the effect that he had... Like you just on all aspects of the game from like off court and on court stuff, like pretty apparent right there. Has um, anybody else had their n- number retired? No. For the only other, the only other, uh, Jackie Robinson's the only other so. one I can think of in yeah. a different sport, obviously. Yeah. That's wild. So pretty crazy. Um, had career statistics of 15.1 points per game, 22. Point five rebounds per game like absolutely insane and just for like a little good measure 4.3 assists per game like just a, just don't four think bill russell ain't shit four he's he's sharing the rock honestly if they had fantasy basketball back in the day would have been an elite all-around player <laughs> um, if you take nothing so away he, from this podcast just know yeah, if you could have drafted bill russell, bill russell you would have potentially fantasy great league. fantasy basketball player um so yeah, he was, uh, in addition to his basketball prowess, he was also a standout track athlete. Um, just very good runner, jumper, obviously. He performed in the high jump in track in college. And actually his junior year, he was the seventh ranked person in the world for high jump. Jeez. And he never even wound up competing in any Olympics. And I'm like, wow, that's like pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, in terms of his career, he kind of started off in junior high, obviously very raw. Um, he was actually cut from his junior high team, so kind of like MJ-esque in that sense. Um, but and then when he got to high school, his coach kind of took like a very like encouraging approach to him, saw the potential that he had, and was like, hey, like I think we can work with something here. Um, instantly kind of became known for his defense and he kind of really changed the game from a defensive standpoint just in terms of the way that you even play defense on the court so it used to be taught i guess that you would just kind of focus on your man and you should stay flat-footed and not jump to avoid the foul and bill russell was kind of just like well f that i'm like super tall and i can jump really high and i got long arms so i'm gonna jump up and block this shot and at first he was even like kind of corrected in high school where they're like oh we don't do that but then obviously just like statistics kind of proved themselves and they were like oh hey bill might be onto something maybe we should <laughs> oh, be jumping <laughs> stopping people from scoring points against us is like a really good um, way to win games <laughs> Yeah, and so he would really study his opponents. Like, he would go on these all-star all star tours, and he would figure out which move was their favorite and which foot they would step with on the first, like, to make their initial move. And he's like, I became, like, obsessed with learning, like, how people played offense, and that's how I, like, became so good at defense. Um, he only received one 
college scholarship offer, though, from the University of San Francisco, the San Francisco Dons. Um, and it kind of like touched on how he really became, kind of viewed basketball as a way for, I mean, I feel like this happens with like a lot of basketball players, but it, it was his way to kind of like escape the poverty he had been accustomed to in his earlier life. Um, and he was like, hey, if I really kind of put my put to the grindstone here, um, this could be like my kind of way out and to make a make a big difference. Um, obviously, the coach at University of San Francisco kind of emphasized more of a half court slow style, allowed Russell to get back on defense. Um, and he kind of like in terms of like the high school coach, and this was also kind of what I thought was cool too. his college coach seemed to just, I mean, I didn't like research his background entirely, but he seemed to be more on the progressive end. He was the first major college program to play three African-Americans as starters. Um, and one of those starters was actually Casey Jones, oh, wow. future Celtics teammate and NBA champion as well. Um, so that was kind of just like a big thing too. There was a game. Um, oh, sorry. I just lost my, lost my train of thought, but then kind of just in terms of his defense too, he was one of the first people to kind of do like help defense. Like it was always kind of taught just like stick to your man, like don't like wander off. And so he was one of the first ones to kind of like kind of drift off, you know, if he saw his man, another person getting beat and able to get a lot of weak side blocks that way. Um, there was a game against Holy Cross and actually Tommy Heinsohn played on that and he guarded Tommy Heinsohn for a lot of this game. Really? And Tommy Heinsohn was like a big time player player at that point and he held tommy heinsen scoreless in the first half and that's go. when that was kind of like a big coming out party for his college career like obviously people had like heard of him prior to that but i mean holy cross was a massive basketball program i guess back in the day and like that was a big game um so i thought that that was like really really cool and there was actually he was one of the few people they changed the rules in the NCAA and they widened the lane. So it used to be more narrow, which allowed him to be like closer to the basket without getting a three second violation. And so they literally made the paint bigger to keep him further away. Um, and there was one other notable, like just kind of on a side note, one other notable rule change. There was one guy, George McCann, who uh, they changed like the basket guarding um, like goaltending was totally blanket on that. And then actually Kareem Abdul-Jabbar caused them to uh, ban dunking for a short period of time, which I thought was kind of crazy. But it's just like, I don't know, just it's kind of like you're talking about like these all-time players that literally caused them to be like, oh, like they're so dominant that we literally need to change the rules of the game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so after um, college, you know, he was... a or still in college, I should say. He was obviously a big target of, like, racism. There was a game, an all-star college game in Oklahoma City where the hotel would not let his team in there. And so the team camped out at, like, a local closed gym. And that was, like, a big bonding moment for the team. And kind of Russell, I feel like, kind of furthered his plans for future advocacy. Um, and he was, like, really bitter, I guess, that in his junior year. He was named like all American and like get, got all these awards, but he wasn't named the player of the year. And that was like, I guess, kind of a big thing for him because at first he was like really pissed about it. But then he was like kind of just a self-realization moment where he's like, obviously this world that I'm living in is like so racist and just like not on the same level. And he's like, yeah. if I get upset about stuff like this, He's like, I'm just going to die a bitter man. So he's like, that really was just like, hey, I'm going to focus on the team, what I can control, winning these ships, getting that bread. Um, yeah, and so he was initially offered to join the Harlem Globetrotters, but I guess the owner wouldn't even speak to him in person. He would only speak to Bill Russell's high school coach, and Bill Russell was pretty much like, well, fuck you, like, not getting this so enters the nba draft he was originally drafted by st louis hawks um but the celtics and red auerbach 
traded for him because Red had this like grand scheme of being like, we just need that defensive centerpiece to take us to the next level. And so they actually made a pretty controversial trade at the time. They traded this guy named Ed McCauley, who was a six-time All-Star. He was like a big player in the league. But I guess Ed McCauley was also originally from St. Louis. So it kind of worked out in that sense. Um, and so this was the same draft that the Celtics drafted Bill Russell, Casey Jones, and Tommy Heinsohn all in one draft. Jeez, I'm just like, talk about just absolute legendary absolute draft domination. picks. Yeah, seriously. Um, and so back in the day, obviously Olympics used to only be amateur. And so he was able to sneak into the 1956 Olympics, Summer Olympics, on a technicality because even though he was signed to an NBA team, technically hadn't played a game. And they wound up taking the gold, beating the Soviet Union. Let's oh, fucking USA. go, dude. Let's fucking USA. go. USA. Let's fucking go. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, he, uh, from, I, I won't go over, like, the minutia of everything, but, I mean, you, like Rich said, 11-time champion, won eight straight from 58 to 66. Um, in 1961-62, the Celtics became the first team in the NBA to ever have a 60-win season. Um, in his rookie year... They Celtics employed what they called the hay bill defense, and this was Red Auerbach's idea. And essentially, any time they thought that they needed help, one of the other four guys on the court would just say, hey, Bill, and that would be Bill Russell's signal to run over to them. <laughs> and, like, he would still have the athleticism to recover and, like, get back if oh they passed it to the gosh, open man. And I'm dude. like, the hay bill defense, like, isn't that just wild? And all the media started calling his blocks wilson burgers because he used to block them so savagely and the nba used to use the wilson basketball and he was like there he's literally blocking it and like shoving it back in the face of his opponent and so they're like it's like he's just feeding him burgers and they're like ah, another wilson burger for bill russell um there was a player back on the knicks named ray felix who always used to like cheap foul Bill Russell. And he got like a lot of that across the league. And Bill like kind of came out complaining one time. He's like, Red, these guys are really fucking muscling me down there. And Red was like, hey, you need to take things into your own hands. So literally in one of the next series, like same game, Ray Felix cheap shots Bill Russell. Bill Russell proceeds to, according to the website, pound him almost into unconsciousness. Took a $25 fine. And they were like, that was pretty much the end of people cheap-shotting Bill Russell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, literally threw hands with this don't guy. You love that, don't you love that Red was just like, dude, fucking handle it. He's like, dude, figure it out. You're a big boy. <laughs> and so Bill's like, I <laughs> All right, Red. Careful um, what you wish for, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing I kind of thought was interesting was there was actually some animosity between him and Tommy yeah, Heinsohn. Right um, I guess, yeah, Tommy Heinsohn came from just like kind of like a more affluent area. There was the whole like color divide. And I guess in their, they, since they were rookies the same year, Tommy Heinsohn won rookie of the year. And Bill Russell always kind of famously like needled him and was like, hey, you owe me half of the rookie of the year bonus check because like that a hundred percent should have been me. Um, yeah, but actually I guess he had a pretty good relationship with Bob Cousy. Nice. It said, um, yeah, uh, 57, 58 season, the season kind of right before they started going on their run. They were in the, cause I was always like, what kind of kept Bill Russell from just winning like 11 straight. And I guess in this year in particular, he got injured in game three of the finals and only returned briefly in game got six. It. And so they were not able to win that year. Um, was a big rival with Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt came into the year 59-60 season, um, and it was always kind of just like Clash of the Titans. That was the matchup that everyone wanted to see. And then kind of just another interesting thing, in the 1962-63 season, Celtics obviously won the championship, and Bill Russell slept through the White House visit because he thought they were just getting a tour. But in re reality, they were meeting President John F. Kennedy, and so he like slept through meeting the president, which I always kind of thought was funny. And I guess there's like pictures of the team without Bill Russell. That's why. And it was literally because he was just snoozing at the hotel. Um, that's funny. Yeah, that's great. That's, Dude, that's pretty a, much. That's pretty much what I got. With the it's just like a lot of really good insight tips. There. That's awesome. What a cool guy. Um, yeah, Garby, take us home with this coaching. Yeah. So um, 
he became a player coach in his third to last year of playing with the Celtics. So that is the 1966-1967 season. And back then, being a player coach, um, which is unheard today, it was it was kind of like not that rare. Um, so he became a player coach. And actually, Red Auerbach, who was the coach previous to him and his coach, tried to get Tommy to coach the team but Tommy basically said well I don't think I can deal with Bill and so then Red Auerbach just asked Bill and he's like yeah I'll do it and he got paid 25000 extra dollars and he had zero assistance <laughs> can you imagine that though he's literally no like assistance on the bench yeah that's why the game is so different that's what I'm saying it's like you are a player coach and you don't have assistance this is crazy so um, his first year as player coach they did lose in the Eastern Division Finals to the Sixers, who had Will Chamberlain, which was his rival and friend. Um, and there are stories about him going to Will Chamberlain's uh, moms or families for Thanksgiving and then playing the next game against Will Chamberlain. And they were just like – he was talking about they were just like beating beating on each other. So it was a good relationship there. But um, So that was the first season. Basically, he – in that time, he did not really like the fans, which is very obvious because Boston's racist. And even the fans, you know, despite how well he played and won, like, at this point, nine titles for them. I was just thinking about what it would have been like back then to be him. Because it's like they're they cheering hate you for at you. the same time. Yeah, like yeah. They're, che- they're cheering for you, but they won't sit down at a coffee table with you. Like, you imagine, like. Right. And it's just like, what do these people see these basketball players as? I'm like, what is going on in their minds? They're playing a sport. This is like what was going through my head, but people like view him as an animal. Yeah, like the zoo. It's just like entertainment. It's just entertainment value. That's it. So he did not love the fan base, and that's why, right? But he did love his team, and he never said anything bad about his team. So I feel like this was a time frame where within the NBA, there was this camaraderie and... I don't know all yeah. the stories. I'm sure there was still racist stuff going on, but I feel like this is when, when things started changing a little bit. Obviously, I, I, I think it's like I think sports have. I mean, not to get corny, but you think about like something like like remember the Titans is based on a true story, very much so. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you know what I mean? I just think right. like sports had a massive hand in the progression of civil rights, right? Because yeah, like it was. You're in this game with these people. And to your point, Garby, right? It's like you grow up, you grow up like either, you know, thinking that a group of people hate you or that you should hate a group of people. And then you're playing a game with them and all that anybody cares about is winning. And then you get out of that game and you're like, why is it any different? And it's like, you know what I mean? They're having the same realization that you had that like seems like obvious to all of us now in the year 2022 where we're like, dude, what's your fucking problem? Right. But like, and so like it like forced them to exactly, trust dude, the other exactly. people and so they're like oh like this dude who i grew up right like being told i should hate was actually like a stand-up guy and like, like, like you know he's got my back on the court yeah. he's got my back off the court like, yeah you hear you hear like you hear that about jackie robinson too right where like and even like for him it's not even like he got along with his team right away but like they started winning fucking games, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, the guy was really good at what he did, and eventually they were like, yo, like, <laughs> this is our teammate. Like, you know what I mean? Back the fuck off. Um, so, yeah, anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, he was the first black head coach in NBA history. I didn't say that. Um, but I'm pretty sure also any major sport. So, that was the first season. Didn't win. Lost to the Sixers and the uh, it was called Eastern Division Finals, but it was the game before. It was the match before the finals or the series before mm-hmm. the finals. Second year he's coaching. They're against the Sixers again. But before game one of that Eastern Finals, MLK was assassinated yeah. day before game one. So obviously with with him being at the MLK speech, huge supporter, they didn't want to play. I mean, eight out of the ten starting players were black. So they didn't want to play. They were about to cancel it, but they didn't. And Celtics go on to win game one. Sixers um, go up 3-1. And then Celtics win three in a row, making it the first time in NBA history a team lost a series after leading 3-1. Not in the finals, right? But in the, but ever. In the conference in finals, series. yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So he brought them back, and they went on to win that year. Yeah, they won it all. Um, so that was his first year, uh, or second year. Third year, he comes back. In the beginning of that last year, he wasn't really feeling it. Robert F. Kennedy just assassinated Vietnam War going on. His marriage with his first wife was growing stale. They divorced later, but um, he was basically like, fuck this country. I don't want to play. He was 15 pounds overweight. He skipped the coach's meeting. He was lacking energy and was apparently diagnosed with acute exhaustion, which I didn't know was a thing. Acute exhaustion. But he played. He coached. 148 and 34 that year. Not the best record. So they entered the playoffs as the fourth-seeded team in the East. They upset the Sixers, the Knicks, played the Lakers in the NBA Finals, went to Game 7, and on the brochures in that Game 7, the owner of the Lakers basically puts ceremony, victory ceremony after the game in this location. So Bill Russell takes that fucking paper and brings it down. He's like, this game, we're going to run. Because running... When you run, it's about who wants him more, and I know we want him more. So they fucking ran that game, and uh, Wilt Chamberlain was injured. That game, I think he got injured. Um, Jerry West was limping. Celtics up nine with five minutes to go, and they, they win the game. Wait, was Wilt on the Lakers? So, yeah, that. at that point, he, he got, got traded, he got traded yeah. to the Lakers. Yep. So, um, but that was... The only NBA Finals where the MVP was on the losing team to Jerry West also. And that was his last game. That was uh, Bill Russell's last game. And it was also his last time talking to Will Chamberlain for 20 years. Wow. After that. Um, he heard, I don't know if it was right at the game or after, but I think it was after. But um, a reporter heard uh, Russell, Bill Russell, describe Chamberlain as – copping out of the game because he was injured. So, like, Bill Russell was saying that about Wilt. Like, oh, he was not playing because he was scared. He wasn't really injured. So, Wilt Chamberlain hears about it. They don't talk for 20 years. Wow. 20 years later, I think it was uh, then, like, late 80s, right? Bill Russell apologized. They become best friends again. Wow. wow. So, that was a pretty heavy story because he liter- he went to – Will Chamberlain's families for like That's Thanksgiving. Wild. Yeah, like they were yeah, they were pretty boys. tight. Yeah, they were pretty tight, and that one little thing is like twenty years. Damn, you know what I mean. And then Will Chamberlain dies ten years after that, nineteen ninety nine, which is like, which is crazy, yeah. you know, because um, that was I feel like that was such a small thing because I just feel like he was when I read about Bill Russell, he was just tight with everybody in the NBA because he. Yeah, was, but I I think he was. Like he had to be. I think he was a competitor. Like I think he, he was had a that pretty, like Michael. He was Jordan. like a surly guy yeah. where he was kind of like fuck. Yeah. I think he had that. Michael he's like Jordan, you know I, like I am the man here. Like I'm I'm pretty dominant. Yeah. And like and right. like was right. just we're winning. Like yeah, you know I mean like we're winning. Like yeah. the, you know yeah. um, wild. So then he retires. Um, he ends his career, and he kind of ends it on a dime. And he Red Auerbach was now the GM, so he kind of like kind of blindsided him he didn't go to that ceremony for that championship he just skipped it he uh didn't attend when his jersey was retired the first time in 1972 he didn't attend the induction in the hall of fame and he just had sore, sore feelings um but i think later on those those feelings like started to like maybe he forgot what it felt like what they where they came from maybe things got better and he started coming out, and they had another jersey. I'm pretty sure it was another jersey or maybe another Hall of Fame induction just for him with people there, with the fans there. And, like, they, you know, obviously cheered, and he was crying. It was, like, a big thing because it was, like, the first thing he had come to after he actually retired. But um, that was, like, celebrating him. He did coach for two other teams after that. He coached for the Seattle Supersonics. Uh, for three years, he brought them to the playoffs uh, for the for, for their first playoffs, um, and then he only coached for one year with the Kings. He had a seven-year contract, but it just didn't work out, and um, he didn't do too well. He went 17 and 41 in that late 80s season. Yeah, that was his coaching career. He skipped because he felt that Chuck Cooper 
um, who in 1950 was the first African American player to player drafted by an NBA team. So he broke the color barrier for the NBA. He's the Jackie Robinson of the NBA. Um, li- a little different um, for a variety of reasons we won't dive into, but like you know, Chuck is somebody we should know more about that we just don't. Um, and I believe Chuck was also a Celtic um, as well, and so he felt that. Chuck should have been in the Hall of Fame. So again, it was kind of like a boycott. Um, and again, like it's that that that's like a big part of Bill. Ru- that, that's part of a big part of Bill Russell is using his platform and using even times when he's supposed to be honored as an opportunity to bring to light injustice, right? And he felt like Chuck Cooper was kind of done wrong, done dirty, and he was right. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, cool. Anything else on retirement, Cub? No, I didn't get too far into retirement. Just yeah. kind of a little bit That's of good. it. Yeah. Um, any closing thoughts on Bill Russell? I feel like I've said a lot, so I'm good on my end. But any, anything else for you boys? Yeah. I loved that quote with him with, like, the pamphlet. That reminds me. It's just like um, yeah. you guys, obviously, you must have seen the movie Coach Carter where he's just like, he's like, you know what we're going to do? He's like, we're going to run. Yeah. And he's just like it was. Um, that's just like a badass moment. What's uh? I mean, I feel like they should make. They're, a movie they're gonna about make him. a biopic about him for sure. Hundred yeah. percent, they'll make yeah. a biopic. Um, my, I'm guessing that somebody's probably already tried, and and maybe for some reason he didn't want to sell the rights, and so they'll definitely make a yeah. biopic about him. What's it called? Six. <sighs> Doesn't that sound dirty? Doesn't that sound so it good? Does. <laughs> That's so. That sounds so good. Just six, boom. That's it. Yeah. Uh, um. Obviously, Russell, Bill. You know, but there'll definitely be a biopic about him for sure. Um. Anyways, what uh? Any anything else? Anything else closing out here for Bill Russell? Nah, I feel like we. You know, if you wanted to know about Bill Russell, I feel like we gave you a pretty good breakdown. We we went a little long here, but really quick. How's the golf game been, boys? So it's Bill. Bill took up golf after retiring, and so I think he'd like to hear. Yeah, great transition. You're on your transition right. game. Um, I've been doing this thing recently where I will have a bad nine and then a really good nine. I don't think that that's recently. I think that that's kind of your story, buddy. Yeah. Well, I feel like even more so. Like my good nine used to be not as good. Like I will shoot like a fifty-five plus, and then I'll go out and I'll shoot like a forty-seven, forty-eight. And it's like not like first round, second round, and so that's just kind of been like frustrating. It's hard to put together like, though. I feel like again, like I mean, no, I know, but it's yeah. just like you know, you have that where you're like, ah, like could have made a couple because you know we're on hashtag Nick Bricks hundred. Yeah. I'm trying. Um, Nick Bricks hundred. I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we out here. I um. I, I, it's coming. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. Yeah, I got a new driver. <laughs> Why do you have to say that? Like you sound guilty. No, because Rich, Rich is, Rich is I, anti. No, I'm not anti. I'm not anti. I'm just I. If if this driver has you hitting fairways more than you were, good purchase. If this driver doesn't have you hitting fairways more than you were, but you get another twenty yards out of the driver, I don't. I think you'd have been better just learning with the driver that you had and trying to hit more fairways. That's more of my point. But if this helps you hit more fairways. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, Good I enough. just think if you learn your driver from a like, you should have the right shaft. And I just feel like the yeah. whip of it, you can feel it in the swing. It just changes things. Yeah, yeah. I just like for sure. I, just, I don't know. I, I have a fast swing speed, and that was like a whippy. It was a it was a, a whippy thing. More flexible. It was more flex. It right, was like but a I, I just shape. like yeah. I wonder. I wonder how much that stuff really affects like triple digit golfers like like the two of us like you know what i mean yeah like, but I, if you're gonna learn yeah you know what know. i'm saying like it like it's, i think you should get a lesson and yeah. i think i need a lot le- yeah i'm, supposed to be yeah. I'm not saying though. it's not a i'm not saying I think it's that's not, I'm, probably the I'm a, yeah yeah i would agree i'm not saying it doesn't matter like having the right shaft regardless of how good you are at golf i'm just saying like i was with you i was like i would go less but i will say this golf 75 percent mental so if you feel good getting on that tee box with that new driver, that's going to help you more than anything else. 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. 
Yeah. 100%. Yeah. For me right now, I'm like a bit, and again, this is part of the reason why I felt this way. I'm a big guy to get off the tee box in, in, in a good position. Like, that's like my number. I'm trying to choose to use my five wood more in like situations where it makes more sense. Not shying away from the driver, but just picking the five wood um, mm-hmm. a little bit more. Um, and I got a new range finder. Shout out Carol. Um, nice. Girlfriend of the podcast. Blue Tees range finder. It's fucking fire. It's sick. It's really dope. When you shoot the, do you see the front? Does it give you the artist for the front of the green and the back? Yeah. Just, how does I, that work? Yeah, what I think I like about it, it's not even so much from, like, the green shots. So much as, like, I can, like, shoot everything all the way up, right? You know what I mean? And so, like, it's been a lot better to be, like, okay, like, for my second shot or something like that. Whereas, like, I feel like 18 birdies did a pretty good job being, like, oh, this is how far the front is, this is how far the back is. And so I can shoot the actual flag now because the flag's not mm-hmm. always in the middle, right? Right. Um, but the other difference is it obviously gives you a magnification of what's in front of you. So I feel like I can also see the green a little bit more and like where I'm like, okay, actually the green clearly goes off on the end. And so I do want to be a little short here, right? You know what I mean? And whatnot. And so um, again, I've played with it once and so a lot of this could be in my fucking head and I had a, a decent day. 75% mental. Is, yeah. I should be, I should, <laughs> this is this is how you know it's 75% mental. I'm shooting pretty well, right? I'm shooting pretty well. I had like a little bit of a rough, like I think front, but I came back really well. And so I'm poising to, be, to break 100. And I come into it, I got a 92 heading into the 18th hole. So I'm like, great, just don't double up this hole and you walk away with 100. <laughs> I, great drive off the box. Great! I can tell you right now. Yeah, great drive off the box. Decent second shot, even right. Uh, sorry, I duff one, but then I have a decent third shot, right? Just off the just off the the green, hit hit it out of the rough, right off the other side of the green. Hit it again, <laughs> distance putt, missed the distance, and so I I pulled a seven. I, I still got it in a seven, but oh okay, yeah, I still got it in a seven. Yeah. I got a ninety nine, but like I was just like this should like. This should have been. Yeah, should have been that, a 96. With that, with that tee shot, there's no reason for me not to bogey that hole. Like, there's just no reason for me to not bogey that hole. Um, so, all good. But, yeah. Garb, you golf at all since? Uh, no, I haven't. Last time I played was with you guys. I feel like you're having an electric year. Yes, I am having a much better year. I kind of changed, like, my my weight distribution. Um, and I changed the way I swing. Like, I come across my body. I used to come up more. Across my body, so cool. We're gonna skip content consumption because we are running late. Um, Yeah. So, Nick, where can they uh, where can they find us? So you can find us on Instagram at any underscore social on Twitter at any social too, and my personal handle at sun underscore of underscore ray number twenty four. Garb. I am Ryan A. Garby. That's Ryan A. G. A. R. B. as in boy. E. And the A stands for activist because Bill Russell was one heck of an activist. My, uh, you Great. can find me at Kennedy1627 on the gram. Uh, I'm Richard Kennedy. I'm here with Nick Goslin, Ryan Garby. We're New England Social. Deuces. Later, Later Gators. Later, Gators.